You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again for another Phys Ed Podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic day, evening or night. And I must say, this is a little bit different when it comes to a STEM podcast. Normally, we talk about education of kids in regards to, you know, all the sort of lessons you expect with STEM education. This time, we're heavily involved. We're talking about the T in STEM. We're talking about cybersecurity. And importantly, we're hanging out with someone who has a bucket load of experience. Paul Hankin has been dealing with cybersecurity for many, 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 many years. He's from a place called KASIM, K-A-E-S-I-M, which is a global team of cybersecurity experts has been protecting over 6,500 client assets right across the US, UK and Australia since 2015. And importantly, we've been hanging out and chatting about, well, what does this mean for education and looking after our students? We get into a number of different chats and this particular one will actually have some genuine take-home tips, actually five of them, that will actually help reduce 85% of your cyber attacks. And that's not a bad outcome for a simple little podcast. So definitely well worth hanging around and listening in for that. And also finding about, well, what are some real tangible steps you can take when you think about the students of all the different ages that you teach? So uh, I really hope you enjoyed this chat. I love having a chat about something a little bit different in this podcast, but I must say this is well worth your time. Let's get into it. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. Mate, I'm really happy to have you. And I must say, this is a little bit different from what we normally talk about on the Phys Ed Podcast, because normally it's about STEM and you know, all the different ways we can teach students the science, technology, engineering, and maths. And I thought, you know what? Tech is a thing. It's not going away. And you work in tech very much so, and more importantly, help protect it. And I thought, you know what, this could really help with people listening in. So, uh, Paula, uh, you've been doing this for a while, right? Uh, I actually have. I've been doing this since 1982, age 13, when I got my first uh, computer. So I've been in STEM before it was called STEM. Well, actually, I was, I was kind of smiling uh, when, you, when you said that you, uh, you involve, in, this involved a microbe computer. Now, I actually remember yes. as a kid playing with a microbe. My dad got it for me. And mm. that's, that's where I did my first computing, too. That would have been about 1984, yes. 85, I reckon. Showing your age. And actually, I, was, uh, I started my hacking back then because the speed of the microbe was 8 megahertz, 8 megahertz. And I found a little hack uh, installing a switch and I got it up 50% to 12 megahertz. Oh, so wow. I, mean, I remember my dad class. having to type out the programs. This is back yep. before we even had the tapes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was right. We were ty- typing that. You'd buy a magazine at the news agency, come home and you'd type the program out of the magazine. Oh, the- and if they got the, instead of a backslash, instead of, a, and you put a forward slash in or something like that, it'd be game over. They'd be typing yeah. for a day. <laughs> it wouldn't work. <laughs> exactly. Oh gosh, I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. Oh, so anyway. I start, I started quite early. So ba- so background on me, I started early. Um, I was installing alarm systems in my local school and also in my local computer shop. And um, that first alarm system in the uh, computer room was covering a punch card computer. That's how old the computer was. That's what the com- that's what the alarm system was protecting. And the alarm system was made of Dick Smith parts, and it was housed in a chipboard, a wooden box in the ceiling. So very, very old school. Since then, it's funny, you know, when you're, you're describing that because I mean, we are going to talk about cybersecurity and how it can help uh, schools in the modern age. But I must <laughs> say, if you had a security system involved in punch cards, that's going to be pretty hard to hack. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's so right. I had a bubble, bubble in my brain just thinking about that. No, but anyway, the, the, so, I mean, this is something you're highly passionate about. And I must yes. say, I mean, we have here at Physics uh, wanted to protect ourselves as best we can. And, of course, there's always more and more steps we've got to do. But the thing is, as educators, we're working with families in lots of different ways. And they've all got varying degrees of protection. And that sort of means what for us is a school educator? I mean, I, I mean, we can dive, dive into this in lots of different ways, but oh gosh, what an ecosystem. I mean, it, it, yeah. what have you seen out in the world? So look, there's, um, it's a very education system is very interesting because <clears throat> there's such constant change with students change their devices, they install different apps, students come and go, teachers come and go. So it's a, it's a very dynamic environment. And when you combine that with um, schools traditionally are underfunded, they don't have... Um, the best budgets for cybersecurity um, because they're trying to get their budget to cover other things. They're actually a prime target for hackers. They're quite easy to hack. And that's why, uh, and because they have a lot of sensitive data too. So data on students and also um, you could almost say a school is a um, critical infrastructure like electricity or banks or telecommunications because if the school shut down, you know, all, all the hell breaks loose. Well, we've seen that with COVID-19, let's be honest, <laughs> when the schools did shut down and yes, all things broke loose because <laughs> it was kind of hard. Uh, and, and I suppose nowadays with the digital infrastructure, uh, I mean, a number of schools, as people listening in know full well, are heavily networked together. I mean, it could easily be one school, therefore other schools are affected. Yeah, and in fact, so there's been a hack every month in Australia and, and our friends in the US as well. So in Australia, it was RMIT in February this year. Then in April, it was Newcomb Secondary College in Victoria. And then in May, it was the University of New South Wales. So it's basically every month, a, a educational institution gets hacked. Same with the US. They've had much larger ones. But in the US last year, there was something like 408 public schools uh, were hacked, successfully hacked. So um, the FBI have said it's one of the uh, most hacked industries at the moment. And like you said, COVID, um, the amount of cyber crimes increased by three or 400% since COVID began. So exactly right when, in terms of um, things are different. Like it's, it's the new normal in more ways than one, not just with pandemics, but with the way we live and technology, and therefore that changes the risks and changes what we have to do. Well, I guess, like, I mean, just thinking now, I mean, uh, I mean, currently it's 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 mid year twenty twenty one. In case you're listening to this podcast a couple of years from now, because you know <laughs> these things tend to be the case. But the, uh, I mean, right at this point, we've got some schools uh, completely face to face. There are other schools that are hybrid, and there are other schools globally that are still off-site uh, mm. using all sorts of different ways. And even once this whole COVID thing starts to settle down in some way, shape or form, this hybrid learning won't go away completely. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of think about the average school, you know, three, 400 students, all with some form of device or at least shared devices or something. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to control. How do you even start the first steps with something like that? Yeah, the, the first step with all things, I mean, the best way to think of it is a bit like your physical security at home or your factory or office. You need to sort of do a risk assessment and say, where are our security gaps and what are the, and then prioritise them, like what's the biggest gap at the moment? So, um, and again, given um, you've got schools with tight budgets and probably one IT guy or half an IT guy, or maybe even the administrator is the IT guy, you've got to um, spread your time and money really well. So it's not just enough to identify what the risks are, it's to prioritise them. Because like my to-do list and probably yours, the to-do list never ends in life. Mm. So it's not about finishing your to-do list, it's about prioritising it properly. So the most important things are at the top and the less important things down the bottom. And if those things down the bottom become important, <laughs> you push them up the top. So yeah, number one is is just uh, getting doing a risk assessment um, to find out where your gap, gaps are. 
So I guess, um, I mean, uh, would it be fair to say that the one of the major risks? Tell me if I'm wrong, by the way. <laughs> Feel free. Uh, but would it be fair to? <laughs> it, it, would it be fair to say that one of the risks to the school would be the environment of which people are connecting to the school networks in different ways that are outside the Wi-Fi infrastructure of the school itself? So they're accessing it from home or from a public library, something like. Would that be the, the, the most biggest risk, or is there something else that I'm missing? Then you are not wrong. You're not wrong in that assessment. Yeah. So essentially because um, uh, people are always trying to get around IT departments you know, at, in offices as well as schools, but particularly in schools. Um, and like I said, there's so many different devices connecting because every kid's got a different device and every and people are working from home, so they're using their home networks. So that's one of the issues of um, in the old days with cybersecurity, you try and control the connection points where people are logging into, mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. But now because there's so many people with different devices and and ways of connecting, it's much better to sort of like put, it's like putting bubble wrap around each device that has value. So you put, wouldn't put much around your, your printer, your Wi-Fi printer, it's not very valuable, but around your phone and your laptop, you put a little firewall around that, a little bit of bubble wrap. And that way, it doesn't matter what that phone connects to, it's always going to be protected no matter where it goes, if it's connecting to a Starbucks uh, free Wi-Fi or at the airport, or if you go to a friend's house, I might have great cybersecurity at my house. I go to your house, Ben, and you've got terrible cybersecurity. Your <laughs> Wi-Fi is awful. I connect to your Wi-Fi and I get all the junk that's on your Wi-Fi. That's that's your your router could be wide open to the world. And oh, by the way, uh, that's not as much not as true. this goes out to the world. There's not an invitation <laughs> to see if you can hack my firewall. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I must say, I mean, okay, okay, I get it. You've managed device, and this is a problem with one size fits all because it does mm. not work in educational end because there are some schools. 100% have managed devices and there are others that absolutely yeah. cannot and will not at any foreseeable time in the future. So how does the school deal with this if it hasn't got the budget, but it's got a lot of kids yeah. and they're on different devices? Like how do they even start? Because I mean, these are personal devices. This is their stuff, yeah. not the school's. I think really you could hack the problems, as pardon the pun, in terms of I think the more you can get people interested in cybersecurity, because let's face it, um, as I think we've discussed before, um, Educators love kids, but they don't love IT. And a lot of people find IT boring and cybersecurity is just an extension of that. So I think what the one thing you can do if, you, if budgets are an issue is let's try and get people interested in cybersecurity. And, and just as you run STEM projects to look, build a little robot and, and do something, you know, using electronics or robotics, maybe an idea would be, hey, let's build some sort of um, network and try and hack it and understand cybersecurity from a, uh, you know, like a science project point of view. And then once you get that uptake from students and teachers that way, where it's a regular class, that's you get the regular learning about it and that awareness rises. And then kids might be wanting to do cool projects at their home to secure their home uh, from a cybersecurity point of view. And you can have a competition to see who, who's got the best cybersecure house at their home. And in a sense, it's the parents funding that, I guess. And it's not that expensive anyway. And it's um, not the school. And then, then everyone's awareness is raised and everyone um, is having fun too. And they're, they're learning more. So um, that idea I just made up then. I was just thinking, I was just thinking it's kind of novel too, because I mean, I suppose there are various versions of ethics around, <laughs> I suppose, but I, I like the, um, the network side though, of creating, I hadn't thought of this, of creating a network to test yeah. your assumptions, which I hadn't even thought, is that, is that, is that crazy difficult to do? No, not really. I mean, just like you can build little, you know, you can get those Raspberry Pis, uh, 
computers and make, make lots of things like that. It's the same with cybersecurity. You can get a little box and install Linux and do a few fun things with it. And, and uh, that's definitely a way to go because then it becomes um, sort of a lesson or a class or an activity. So it can be put into the curriculum. It can be something that happens regularly. And then the kids can take that home and, and work for them, work on their own sort of cybersecurity for themselves at home, teach their mum and dad, that sort of stuff as well. And cyber, the, the greater the cyber awareness of a person, the more secure they are in, in general. Wow, I mean that's a really interesting thing. I can see how that would work would work well in secondary and the middle school years. I mean, it might be challenging with the really young kids, yeah, um, but yeah. certainly with the older kids, that could easily work. I mean, hmm, it's food, and, and, for, it's food for thought, isn't it? I mean, mm. I mean, the thing is, like, well, I mean, traditionally, I mean, if we were, if you were speaking to a group, there were a bunch of adults, and they have phones, and they can do this two factor authentication. The problem is, is that some of these kids just aren't they? They can't do two factor. Because yeah. he's not allowed to put it on their phone. Yeah. Well, how do I do with it? It's a bit messy, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think um, kids uh, are messy. And also the other thing too is kids are curious and they love clicking on everything as well. So they're a more um, risky behaviour than, than, uh, than an adult who's more risk averse because they're, they're just older. So um, I think it's going to be an area that's always going to be um, a little bit messy. And it's like all things, um, it's just about uh, reducing the risk, managing the risk, just trying to increase people's awareness um, so that they're, you know, they're not the low hanging fruit. One of the myths we talk about is that everyone thinks that the hackers are so good because they're hacking into the systems and, and people have spent millions of dollars. What you find in practice is the hackers are not so good it's that the security, cybersecurity is so bad. So most situations of people being hacked, it's because their computer wasn't patched or they didn't have 2FA installed or the um, IT department is pretty, you know, don't have qualifications in cybersecurity. So you don't really have to lift the bar very much to not be that low hanging fruit. It's good to be the middle hanging fruit. Uh, you don't need to be the high hanging fruit like uh, superannuation fund or CBA bank who spends $90 million a year on, on cybersecurity. Just be the middle hanging fruit, not the, <laughs> not the low hanging fruit. And then, you know, it's sort of like leaving your car unlocked at the, uh, at the shopping, shopping centre or the shopping mall. Uh, what, will, what will a car thief do? He'll walk along 20 cars and he'll just try the handle on all 20 cars and the handle that opens is the one he'll rob. He won't bother with the ones that are locked. So the one that's unlocked is the low-hanging fruit. That's the one that will get stolen. So I think it's really, yeah, risk management, awareness. But as you know, in education, you've got to make it fun. You've got to make it interesting. And one other point to add to that was that there's a cybersecurity skills shortage. There's an absolute shortage of people trained in cybersecurity to be employed in businesses. And it's a massive growth area for the next five years, a bit like um, STEM and, and AI and machine learning. So again, if it was brought in as an activity to stimulate the interest in it, then students could pick up that as a subject, um, you know, maybe in, in a high, in university level or, or private courses. So there's another sort of bonus to bringing it in as part of your curriculum because I think it's one of those things it's like work health and safety or any other issue that's compliance based it's boring I mean people aren't stupid they know it's boring that you've got to you're trying to force it on it doesn't really work but if you make it integral or part of the, the curriculum then you've got half a chance of those who might be interested um, you know get involved and, and it self-propels and probably doesn't need much budget at all 
As I, you probably heard me chuckle. In the, I had this visual of of an old joke of where you don't have to be far. You don't have to be faster than the bear. You just be faster than the person running away from the bear who's next to you. Exactly <laughs> right. And it sounds terrible. It's just like saying, "Well, let's sacrifice other people by being oh, the middle, middle hanging fruit and leaving other people with the low hanging fruit." But essentially, um, it's just yeah. It's like you've just got to. It, basically, cybersecurity is an industry now. Um, you know, like I say, it's it's a, a one point five. Cyber criminals make $1.5 trillion in income per year from, from cybercrime, $1.5 trillion. The damage it does is about $6.5 trillion with a T. So if that was a country, it would be the third largest country in the world after the US and China. And therefore, it's such a lucrative business because so many people's computers are just poorly set up and they're not protected. It's so easy. You can even, they even have, um, you probably heard of ransomware. They have ransomware as a service. So if I'm wanting, I don't have to know how to hack computers. I can just hire someone to do the hacking uh, for me and and it's so automated these days a few hundred dollars so that's the problem now it's it's become hacking has become industrialized um, uh, maybe 20 years ago you and I remember we have antivirus software but what was it for just to block annoying pop-ups maybe we'd lose a bit of data and then probably would slow our computer down now things have changed because 20 years ago that was all that you know viruses to your computer nowadays they shut down hospitals they shut down schools they shut down uh, oil pipelines in the US which causes major major problems so I think it's now a part of society that we have to bring into school where it's just like you know you've got your civil engineer and you've got your mechanical engineer and computer engineer well now you've also got cyber engineers and it's a real thing just like cyber warfare is a real thing it's we've gone from land air sea now we have a in space and now we have a little area called cyber so yeah it's a, i think it's a real area that that we need to move into well, actually, one thing that's crossing my mind, uh, if you're an educator, it doesn't matter where you are in the globe and you're looking at um, trying to get something implemented in your system, uh, the International Society for Technology and Education has a series of standards, which is about being, you know, being not just digitally aware as a teacher, but also as a learner and as an administrator. And so if you're needing to get this um, through the various powers that be, uh, you can show those standards. Just look up ISTE standards, I-S-T-E standards, and you can show these. This is what uh, you know, is very much a global movement to towards helping kids understand not just the child protection stuff, which, by the way, is incredibly important, but the cyber mm. side of things is something that needs to be dealt with. And I just love how you mentioned, it's quite simple, really, updating your browser. I mean, it, I mean, mm. it's, it's, we're in a chat right now. I probably shouldn't do it or break our chat, but uh, we could, after <laughs> this chat, I could quickly just check and click update and what's done in a minute, right? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Look, a lot of the things are very simple, but like doing your taxes and going to the dentist, it's not very fun and you don't want to do it and you leave it to the last minute. So we need to use a bit of behavioral economics and understand how people work and try and you know fix that problem, hack the problem. And that's why I think an idea of making it part of the curriculum is really good because then you can, you know, you're the expert at making things fun and science-wise and stuff like that. You know, that's the sort of thing that educators are great at. They take something which is, you know, uh, they make things interesting and they make things um, exciting and, and, and fun to learn. What I love what you mentioned um, about this really does open up a potential career for kids, especially as they're starting to think about this as they mm -hmm. head towards the end of school. I mean, are these courses uh, for this type of work expensive or are they fairly achievable for kids? No. Just... So, yeah, so you can do things like a certificate for in cybersecurity. And I think in Australia they were offering them the scholarships for, for anyone who applied. I think normally it's $9,000, but you can get it for a scholarship when I checked it a year ago. So pretty much there is such a shortage of um, people in the industry they're desperate for people to, to be trained in cybersecurity. So the government is pretty much funding, I think, 23 or 24 TAFE, uh, TAFE uh, uh, 
campuses to run these certificate for in cybersecurity. And then you can move up a level and get your diploma and stuff. You can also do private courses as well. But honestly, if you're a you know a university graduate or even not, in fact not, if you were just over 18, you could get trained up in a reasonable amount of time, say six months, you could get a certification in six months and you could have a job at the end of that six months because there's such a shortage of, of um, people the government's trying to hire and private industry as well. In fact, the um, I think private industry is hiring everyone because they pay better, which is leaving a shortage for government. So yeah, there's it's a real shortage of uh, people in the workforce. Yeah, so that, I mean, it's a, I suppose it's just a sad reality. It's a growth industry, but it mm. shouldn't be. But it's a growth industry, but it shouldn't mm. be. But it's a growth industry. <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's what it is. So you just accept the landscape for what it is. And I suppose that's. A, I suppose it's a silver lining. I mean, there are opportunities for our kids if they want to go down this line. But also, there's opportunities for us for for doing something about this problem. So I guess if people are sort of listening to them in the car, walking the dog, or whatever they're doing, uh, and they had to walk away with three simple tangible steps to at least take those steps towards having a more secure environment, especially with such a vast variety of kids using these their networks and apps and all these things that we use over the day. What are some of the th three simple things they could do to walk away and go, you know what, I could start the process. Sure. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, if I can, Ben, I'm going to break the rules here and, and go five. And also, I'm going to mention something that you said little kids might not be too crash up with, which is 2FA. But here's, here's the thing this, I've got five tips that can reduce 85% of cyber attacks. And so, five tips reduce 85% of cyber attacks. And these come from the Australian Signals Directorate, which is the Australian spy agency, after they spent years going through thousands of, of uh, cyber attacks and analyzing and responding to all these companies that went to them for help. So they found if you do these five things, you, you'll reduce the risk of cyber attack by 85%, which is pretty good. So the first one is, yes, two-factor authentication. You've got to switch it on absolutely everything. There's a lot of email fraud that occurs these days. It's because people don't have 2FA set up and it's easy for them to be hacked. And with that as well, use a password manager because people just use the same password everywhere and it's no good. So get a password manager. Uh, number two, backups. Do it on, online daily, make it automated and offline weekly as well if you can. Number three, update your software, uh, set it on automated updates so you don't have to think about it. Number four is don't install rubbish on your computers or your phones and no pirated software because usually that is full of holes as well. Um, don't make everyone an admin user on your computers. <laughs> it's not a good idea. Um, and that was, I think that was five, wasn't it? Yeah, that was number five. Oh, feel so. free to keep on going, like maybe 15. <laughs> Those five are really handy. And, and I suppose if you're listening, you know, I wonder how well you did. If this was a test. <laughs> how, I mean, the, the beauty about this is that some of these are crazy simple to start implementing like this evening. Yeah, yeah. yep. Absolutely. And the fact that we'll cut down 85% of your risk, which is a big thing to cut down for only five little things to do. It's, I think the big problem with cybersecurity and IT in general is people feel overwhelmed with how much they have to do. They can't keep up and they feel like, well, no matter what I do anyway, I'll still get hacked. But it's not the case. Those five tips will take you from being low-hanging fruit to middle-hanging fruit. And then it's the other guy who gets eaten by the bear, not you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's it. We're generally thinking about <laughs> Don't, don't go near bears <laughs> from that uh, end anyway. Uh, look, hey, thank you so much, Paul, for popping on this you're podcast. Welcome, Tim. I mean, uh, undoubtedly, there might be some people who'd love to get in touch with you. So, how would they do that? Best way is just to go to our website, which is uh, kasim.com.au. So, K A E S I M.com.au, and just hit the book a call button and you can have a chat with me or one of the, the, the team members here and uh, happy to help people with anything at all. Yeah, absolutely. Easy as. And as normal, we put these links in the show notes and. Uh, 
click away. <laughs> Go through doors. And that's the thing. If that's a good takeaway, don't click on the things you shouldn't click on. But exactly. in this case, that link would be useful. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like yeah. Absolutely. Look, Paul, thank you so much. I'm very glad that you could have this chat. And thank you for those people listening in, because I know this is not a normal agenda, so to speak, with this particular podcast, but I must say it's so important. And when we keep on talking about STEM, there's a T, there's technology, and this mm. is part of technology. Simple as that. Absolutely. Look, much appreciated. Have a fantastic afternoon. Thanks, Ed. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. Well, there you go, team. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Paul Hankin. And I must say, how important is cybersecurity in this day and age? And considering that those five simple steps could really help your students and your families who attend your school, it's well worth uh, considering uh, passing on that message. I really, really think it's worthwhile. So again, if you want to check out KSIMS, so go to their website, kaesim.com.au. So kaesim.com.au. And uh, reach out to Paul. Say good day for me and uh, see uh, what you might be able to do to be able to help out. And look, to having some competence around cybersecurity, and I love the fact of getting into potential careers in cybersecurity, this is an important skill and it really should be considered when we're thinking about STEM in its broader context. We've got to be careful with our technology. No doubts about it. Look, uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I certainly loved putting this together for you. And uh, as you, we uh, hope you're having a fantastic t- time teaching science, education, technology, in all these different ways. And uh, we'll catch you another time. Listen to me, Ben Newsom from Phys Education, and this is the Physics Ed Podcast. I'll catch you again soon. You've been listening to another Physics Ed podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au